Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Right now as I speak to you on the 10th of October 2017, Jews all over the world are celebrating Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. You see, millennia ago, to help the Israelites remember His goodness, God gave them three major groups of feasts to celebrate every year. They were Passover, Pentecost and Tabernacles. You know, it would be sad to just acknowledge that some people are celebrating Tabernacles as a feast, but failing to receive, to receive the message it conveys to our generation, that, that would be sad. For Tabernacles speaks to us as Christians. Now the feast is a drama in three parts. It starts with Rosh Hashanah, which is the blowing of trumpets, and then it's followed by Yom Kippur, the Great Day of Atonement, and then it's completed with seven days of festivities held in outdoor tabernacles, tents. And I want to focus on this third part, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. This year, it started on the 5th, and it ends on the 12th of October. As I've said to the Jews, Sukkot was an annual remembrance, but it was a remembrance to the ancient Jews of how they lived in the wilderness and how the Almighty God protected them and guided them and sustained them, um, how He fed them every morning with manna and so on. Now to Christians, the Feast of Tabernacles is a reminder of how God in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, tabernacled, took on a human tent among his people. And it is also a recognition that through the Holy Spirit, he still tabernacles with us now in his church. And finally, it's a glorious reminder that he's coming again soon, well, one day, when he will dwell permanently with us, his children. There are many facets of wonderful truth embedded in the Feast of Tabernacles, but I want to develop just one aspect. And that starts a long time before Jesus with the prophet Haggai. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 2 to 9, Haggai prophesied as follows. Let me read it to you. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In the little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace declares the Lord Almighty. Now very significantly, the prophet Hagar uttered this great prophecy on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in the year 520 BC. 520 years before Jesus, he prophesies. When Jesus comes, truly the desire of all nations in the Lord Jesus Christ comes to his temple. The former house that he refers to was Solomon's temple. And it was built 438 years earlier. And it was dedicated, again, significantly, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in the year 958 BC. 
Solomon's temple was a magnificent structure, apparently. It was adorned with silver and gold. It was it was one of the wonders of the world. People came from all over to see it and to worship there. But its true glory was something much more than gold. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, we find what actually happened on that day of last day of tabernacles when the temple was dedicated to God. Listen to the account. It says this, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. See, the true glory of Solomon's temple wasn't how it was adorned or constructed. It was that God blessed it with His presence. The glory of God entered that tabernacle. Now, much later, in Haggai's day, the prince Zerubbabel was restoring this temple. You see, Solomon's temple had been left to ruin and had been attacked and destroyed in part, and he was busy restoring it. And the prophet was trying to encourage the people of that day, because it was quite obvious to everyone that this restored temple that they were busy with was just a mere shadow of its former glory. But you know what? In reality... The glory of the Lord had departed from Solomon's temple just 46 years after he had dedicated it. And the restored temple never ever did contain the glory of the Lord. Successive generations plundered this restored temple. And its final shame came in the year 167 BC when a ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes slaughtered a pig on the altar and erected a statue of Zeus, for goodness sakes, in the Holy of Holies. The word epiphany means the God who appears to reveal himself. Oh, what a, a blasphemous irony. The temple that was a reconstruction, a restoration of the very temple of Solomon that had once for a brief period of 46 years had something of the glory of God in it. Now this man comes and says, I represent the glory of God. And he does the most blasphemous thing he can think of. He slaughters the most unclean animal to the Jews in the temple and he erects a statue of the Greek chief god, Zeus. Hmm. Well, in 20 BC, along comes a man called Herod the Great. We know of him from the Gospels. And Herod the Great rebuilt the temple. So Solomon's temple had fallen into ruin and it was rebuilt under Zerubbabel and that itself had been pillaged and destroyed. And now comes Herod the Great and he restores the temple. But it didn't manifest God's glory until between 5 BC and 27 AD the glory of God returned to that temple not once, not twice, but three times. More than 500 years after Haggai had prophesied, it came true. And the glory of Herod's temple, therefore, surpassed the glory of Solomon's temple. You see, in 5 BC, Jesus, God the Son, God incarnate, 
was brought as a baby to this very temple to be dedicated. And twelve years later, he came again to the temple and sat with the teachers of Israel and instructed them. Wow. And then when he was 33 years of age, Jesus came again to this temple for a last time to fulfill all righteousness and to bring to an end the sacrificial system. Antiochus called himself the appearance of God and he slaughtered a pig. Jesus, the true appearance of God, the true revelation of God, the true incarnation of God, offered himself for slaughter, a lamb without blemish, in that temple. Hallelujah. In Jesus' day, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days, and they regarded the eighth day as a very special Sabbath, for they said it marked the first day of a new period of grace and mercy. In this, and on this last and greatest day, a priest would go down to the pool of Siloam, and he would take a golden pitcher and fill it with water, and he was accompanied by people, and they, he led this whole procession, filled the water, went back to the temple, and everybody followed him. And the whole procession walked around the great altar of sacrifice at the temple seven times. And they sang joyfully, and they shouted a formula, which was Hosanna, which means, save us now. God, save us now. The climax of this ceremony on this climactic last and greatest day came when the priest raised the golden pitcher above his head and tipped it and poured the water onto the altar. And as he did this, the people would recite Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3, which reads, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Well, John's Gospel records what happened on this last and greatest day when Jesus was present, when the glory of God had come back to this temple. You see, at this very moment, can you see the scene? The priest is holding up this golden pitcher. As he pours it out and as the people are shouting, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Jesus cries out in a loud voice, If a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Well, you know, perhaps the priest that was holding up the pitcher knew this whole passage of Isaiah from which the people were chanting. But Jesus certainly knew it because it ends with these words. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. See, to those who had ears to hear, Jesus was saying, I am the fulfillment of that scripture. I, the Holy One of Israel, am among you. Isn't that wonderful? The trumpets of Rosh Hashanah announce the coming of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yom Kippur signifies the great act of atonement of the Saviour on our behalf. And Sukkot reminds us that Jesus was and is and always will be with us and that He's coming soon. Glory. But what Corin is going to join us and we're going to discuss this a little further because I know, as she always does, she has some fine questions for me. Hi, Corin. Hey, Daddy. How are you? I'm okay. Good. I'm very interested to hear about this because I feel like I don't know very much about um, Jewish ceremonies, and uh, and I should. Great. So you start by talking about 
three feasts every year that um, God gave the Jewish nation to celebrate. And you do speak about tabernacles in the post. What is the significance of the other two, of Passover and Pentecost? Okay, so Passover is the first group of three feasts that are sort of clustered together. And it's to celebrate the exodus from Egypt. Mm. So you know that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Yeah. And Moses was sent in to bring them out. And God gave Moses very specific instructions. He said, okay, tell the Israelites that they must gather all their possessions together. They must be ready to march at a moment's notice. And then uh, on the night I tell you, they are to take a lamb. They are to slaughter the lamb and roast it whole. And then share all of it, one lamb per family, until it's totally consumed. How did God convey this? Through Moses. In like in a dream or? It doesn't say, it just said God said to Moses. Wow, I wish I could hear God that clearly. Yeah, and Moses had lots of these encounters. Yeah. Now, what they was, had to do is when they slaughtered the lamb, they took the blood from the lamb and they took a, a piece of hyssop, it's like a little weed that looks a bit like a paintbrush. Okay. And they had to dip that in the blood and paint it on the doorposts, on the side, mm. across the top, the lintel, down the other side of the door. Mm. And then in the middle of the night, when the angel of death came to strike down the firstborn of the Egyptians, he would look down and say, ah, there is the blood. That house Mm. is occupied by an Israelite family. And he would pass over. Hmm. So that's why it's called pass over. Hmm. Because the angel of death passed over them and didn't strike them down. As soon as uh, Pharaoh's realized that all the children in Israel, the firstborn, including his son, who was destined for the throne, were, were dead, he yeah. basically said to the Israelites, right, go. Yeah. And they were all ready. They had packed everything. <laughs> and off Amazing. they went. So that's what the Passover was to celebrate. Sure. Now, the interesting thing about Passover is that after that, the, they would celebrate it every single year at the same time to remember how good God had been to protect them and to save them from from bondage to the Egyptians and so on. And they'd have a Mm. Passover meal. They'd recreate that meal of lamb that they had on Mm. that night. And they would take a piece of bread and they would break it into three parts. Mm. And the middle part was called the afikomon. And it, Mm. they would break as well. Mm. Now, I can give you a lot more detail about this, but significant thing for us right now is that when Jesus celebrated Passover for the last time before he died, he died over Passover. He had yeah. a Passover meal with his disciples. Yeah. He took the bread and he broke it. And when he broke it, he said, this is my body given mm. for you. Mm. So he took this whole Passover and made it apply to himself. Mm. Pentecost sure. was 49 days later, on the 50th day after Passover, 49 days okay. later. Then they celebrated, in ancient Israel, they celebrated the harvest. But for uh, for us, it celebrates the birth of the church. Because on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 disciples sitting in the upper room. Yes. And the power of the Spirit came down like a mighty roaring wind, and there was flames of fire above each one of them. They started to speak in tongues, extolling the glory of God, went out into the streets, proclaimed God's glory, and 3,000 people got saved. So the church was born on the day of Pentecost. So those are the two other great feasts, Passover and Pentecost. The upper room is where you also had an interesting experience when you were in Israel, is it not? Yeah, you know, it's it's the strangest thing because 
you know, you go to these places in, in, in Jerusalem and you're never sure if they were the actual locations of these things. Mm. Because nobody really knows, but, but they are sort of hallowed spaces. They, mm. uh, people regard them as being special, so they take on a special significance. And we had an incredible experience. I, I was leading a group of about 22, 23 people from the church. Mm. And when you get to the upper room, you, you arrive in a bus, obviously, a tourist bus. And you've got about maybe 10 minutes max to get the tour party in and out again, because the, the buses are basically queued up. Sure. You know, bumper to bumper. Yeah. So it is you know, one of the most popular spots for tourists. Uh, it must feel very touristy. Yeah, so the, 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 the Jewish tour guide that you have to use, um, you know, will really try and get you out after mm. a maximum of 10 minutes. So we mm. wandered around, looked at it, and then somebody started singing. <laughs> and it's quite an echo effect in there. And we all started singing. We were singing that song, Hallelujah. Mm. And then they, people started to speak in tongues. And, <laughs> and then there was uh, singing in the spirit, and there was like a holy thrall that gripped us. Sure. And it seemed to go on forever. I don't know how long it went on for. It seemed to be a long, long time. I looked across at this Jewish lady who was leading us, and these people yes. are very hardened. They inured to the gospel because every tour yeah. party tries to convert them, right? Yeah. And she was standing with her back to the wall, her face uplifted and tears streaming down her cheeks. Wow. Yeah, and when we were finished, and I cannot tell you how long it was, but it really seemed an age, yeah. we all filed towards the exit, and as we did, the next party were coming in. <laughs> so, wow. you know, we were convinced that God had done something special for us there, and we, we don't to this day know what happened, but, but it was wonderful. Sure, that's, that's an amazing story. Mm. Now, all three of these things, did God give a whole bunch of um, celebrations to the Jewish nation to to observe, and three were just chosen, or did He specifically say these are the three that I want you to? And where? In the Bible, oh, okay, yeah, uh, good question. No, He specifically said not only uh, what, but exactly how in detail, and exactly okay. when the, the exact days of every day of every year. The first group of three make up. Passover, and yeah. the second is a single one, Pentecost, and the third one, which we will talk about now, obviously, because it's the post, is Tabernacles. Yeah. And that's made of three component parts as yeah. well. You read about them in the book of Numbers, chapters 28 and 29. Okay. And then Leviticus, chapter 16, gives a lot of additional detail on the Day of Atonement, which is the middle part of the Feast of Tabernacles. So if anybody so wants to look up Numbers 28 and 29... And then Leviticus 16, you'll get almost the whole picture. And the, and that is where God actually says, I want you to celebrate these three things in this way. Yes, in, in tremendous detail. I mean, you know, really meticulous detail. Okay. Because I, I sometimes wonder if um, sort of the ritual, the ritual parts, you know, the eating at certain hours and, you know, lighting candles and that sort of thing, if, if they just man-made religion or if God actually told someone to do this and you're saying that, that they were told specifically to do this and that's why they observe it specifically that way. Yes. The, think of it as, a, as, a, as, as huge visual aids. Mm. So that's why he gave all the details. So it wasn't man-made ritual that was added. God was giving these details so that they would have to enact them. Mm. And by enacting them, 
the fullness of the meaning comes back to their minds. Mm, they remember. Yeah, and they, and they remember, and then they and then they celebrate and give thanks to God for it. <laughs> Can I? You spoke specifically about uh, tabernacles. Is it Sukkot? Sukkot, Sukkot? Yeah. yeah, which is happening at the moment. When when is it actually? Well, right now, um, as this Q and A is going to be aired on Tuesday, mm. it'll be just coming up towards the end of Tabernacles. Okay. Tabernacles is the the last seven days of the festivities. Okay. And they go outside, by the way, uh, Orthodox Jews, and they erect little shelters and they and they sleep outside on mats uh, and sleeping bags and things, and they eat fruit and they have music, and it's a tremendous celebration. Just the last day, or all all of the days? All seven days. Oh, that's been raining. Well, uh, here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's been doing up in, in Israel. <laughs> okay, so not here necessarily. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's all very well and good, but why sh- why should we as Christians actually care? Because we have the new law. Okay. Um, don't we? <laughs> All right. Um, let me let me get to that. But maybe, Corinne, maybe I need to speak a little more about tabernacles itself because uh, okay. you know I wrote the post on that. But um, there might be some lack of clarity on on tabernacles. Mm. Yeah. You know, and how that speaks to to Jesus. Yeah. What? Well, which is the um, the Jewish holiday where they have to repent and go through all of the sins that they've done over the year and all of that. Which of those three is that? Well, Where they do that, that at Passover, but the part of Tabernacles is the Day of Atonement, and that's called Yom Kippur in the Hebrew. Oh, yes. And that is, a, that is not a feast at all. That is a hugely solemn day, and they have to fast for the day. Yeah. And okay. it is a, it's, a, it's an enormously important day. Yeah. And for them, it signifies how God has dealt with their sins for another year. Huh. And okay. set aside his his wrath and so on. But I uh, think you're sp- you're supposed to atone for all your sins and sort of wipe your slate clean for the year. Well, yeah. As far as I bring them to remembrance yeah. and then God wipes them clear for the yeah, year. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> but oh, you know, is, again, the, nice. the significance for the Christian is that the Day of Atonement would speak to us a lot about what Jesus has done. Obviously, on the cross mm. of Calvary, he's atoned for the sins of all those who will believe, etc. But there's something fascinating about it. There's, there's, there's more of a story. I'll give you some clues. For instance, Jesus is always referred to as the Lamb of God yeah. who is slain for the sins of the world. But yeah. on, on the Day of Atonement, they take two goats. Mm. They slaughter one and they send the other one. They lay their, the priest lays his hands on it and puts the, the sins of the people upon it. And they lead it off into the wilderness to be lost forever. Poor goats. So goats are uh, a symbol of uh, not of good things normally. Mm. And then the the name of that goat, the scapegoat, the one that's sent off into the wilderness, he's got a name, Azazel, <laughs> which in the ancient Jewish writings is a name attributed to the devil. <laughs> so there's something funny going on here. Mm. So it's a little bit more... So. I'm going to write another article about this, so I can't mm. give too much away. You know, watch the space. There's some exciting yeah. stuff coming. Yeah. But just su- suffice it to say that the, the deeper meaning of the Day of Atonement for the Christian has got to do with the Day of Judgment. 
the coming of Jesus again. Yeah. The trumpet sounds. The Lord comes back, judges the living and the dead, and then tabernacles with his people for eternity in a new heaven earth. So uh, there's a tremendous significance. So if you put the three together, you have Passover, Jesus coming the first time and dying for mankind. Yeah. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming and birthing the church that witnesses to this wonderful fact. <laughs> Tabernacles, the coming of the Lord for the second time to judge <laughs> the living and the dead, wrap up earthly history and create a new heaven and earth. But I don't want to give away too much more now because I want to write okay, a whole Okay, but I do want to ask you, first of all, do they, do they still send the poor goat out? No, you, you know... Oh, <laughs> The whole sacrificial system was linked to the temple. Okay. And the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Mm. So in 70 AD, the entire Jewish sacrificial system came to a grinding halt, never to start again. Um, Why? Because it's all fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. So no, there's no high priest anymore. There's no temple Mm. in Jerusalem. There is a a mosque that sits in the place the temple was. Hmm. And well, um, yeah, and so no, the answer is they don't do that anymore. I'm just happy from an animal-loving point of view that there isn't a goat <laughs> so sent out any longer. Another one that's slaughtered. <laughs> the, you put you put it very well about how important these are. Right. Um, for me as a Christian, so why don't we even mention them? I don't think they're ever mentioned in church. Shouldn't the churches also be? Celebrating these, the the same feasts and and you know, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Okay, um, well, of course, the the church does partially. For instance, Passover is what the church calls Easter, right? And we have Easter Sunday. There's a huge celebration that Jesus died, Good Friday. Yeah. It was in the tomb Saturday, rose from yeah. the dead Easter Sunday. Yeah. Pentecost is looked overlooked by a lot of the traditional churches, but of course to Pentecostal churches it's hugely important. <laughs> yes, they they derive their very name from that, Pentecostal mm. churches. So, mm. uh, so uh, certainly some parts of the church celebrated more than others. But you know, the part that's almost singularly missing uh, uh, out of the remembrance of the Christian church is tabernacles. Yeah. And uh, it's strange because, as I will be writing an article about, it speaks so much of Jesus coming again. We we really should be making more note of it, I think. It's, it's like the great hope, the great expectation. Yes, or, it is. It, it, yeah. it, it is indeed. Hmm. That's, yeah, That's, I'm, I'm looking forward to that post. Mm, good. Um, the, the final thing I wanted to ask you about is mm. that if you... In your work environment, in your day-to-day environment, I am often aware that there is something going on. That they, you know, that one of these three feasts or celebrations is happening. And if I if I want to be able to sort of honour my Jewish colleague or just acknowledge that this is a, a special and important thing to them, what do I actually say for each of these three things? You know, do I say Happy Yom Kippur or Merry Day of Atonement? You know, <laughs> <laughs> not a, no, not Merry. <laughs> I wouldn't but do the second one. So but much, you know, Corinne, I don't think it's so much what we say to folk. I think it's how we make space okay. for them and how we respect their traditions. And how do we do that? So, 
Well, okay, Passover doesn't always synchronize with the Christian Easter mm. celebrations because the one is a calendar date, mm. that's Easter, but Passover itself is actually a mm. lunar date. So sometimes they're out of sync by several days, even as much yeah. as a week. So I think we should be sensitive, you know, at Passover time, the Christian church is having Easter Sunday and there's Good Friday mm. and there's all those Jesus died of the cross movies yeah. and all that. And we should be sensitive to the, our Jewish friends and colleagues and and find out when are they actually celebrating these things? How do mm. they do it? Why? You know, dialogue mm. with them. Um, if a, a boss should be making space that they can go off early or, you know, realize that it's Passover, for instance, is a really important occasion for them. But just by entering, just by talking about these things to Jewish colleagues, it creates an open door for understanding and for them understanding more about how we as Christians mm. understand these things. But if it is, for example, a, a, as you mentioned, a boss, I'm not necessarily going to go up to my boss and say, now tell me about this. So if I just wanted to say, you know, if, if I saw them leaving and them saying, okay, I'm going home now because it's Passover tonight, is there anything that I can sort of say that's, you know, is, is shalom? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, but again, I would I would merely suggest that first of all you find out for Passover when actually yeah. the boss is celebrating it because it might yeah. be out of sync. Yeah, but if I know. Having found that out, when the day comes in, I would just say, have a wonderful okay. Passover. And for the other two? Have a wonderful time with your family. A Pentecost for them, they've redefined Pentecost. Pentecost for them is the giving of the law. So they celebrate the Old Testament then. So And they don't make mm. too much of a fuss about it. Tabernacles is a very big issue for them. Okay, so Pentecost you can sort of ignore from uh, acknowledging yeah, with the Jewish your... colleagues. You are more or yeah. less. Okay. Tabernacles, uh, Yom Kippur, the, that middle part of Tabernacles, is the most holy day to the Orthodox Jew. Okay. That's a day of tremendous solemnity. And one needs so to make Yom space for them. happy Yom Kippur is not appropriate. Pardon? Happy Yom Kippur is not appropriate. No, you know, they celebrate the beginning of their uh, new year at the beginning of a thing which is called f the uh, Feast of Trumpets, the Blowing of Trumpets. Mm. And so that would be appropriate on that day to say, you know, Happy New Year to you guys. Okay, that's That'd the be last fabulous. day. When it comes to Yom Kippur, it's just honor it for them. Allow them to be silent and introspective and not eat lunch that day. Okay. So there isn't any anything that one should really say necessarily, I'm apart from, as you said before, I, I'm, open a I'm not hot on that because for me these little contrived salutations come across false most of the time, I think. Yeah. Also, better to know about it and to, and to honor. Yeah, it, it just... You know, it, it, it just sometimes feels wrong to not say anything. You know, I've got someone at work that is of sort of Islam faith yeah. and obviously having some kind of um, a protracted celebration, wearing certain things, leaving at certain times and right. I opened a dialogue with him because, you know, I just, it just felt wrong to not say anything, um, you know, just sort of ignore that he's in the middle of something. But, the, but there's the key, you, op you started the dialogue. Mm. Look, certainly for the Feast of Trumpets, which is the first part of Tabernacles, the first day of Tabernacles, well, the first day of the, the group of three known as Tabernacles, that being their New Year, it would be totally appropriate to say Happy New Year. Mm. 
Yeah, okay. And then for the rest, mm, not necessarily, but find out about it, you know? Yeah, and use it as an opportunity to chat and to learn more, you know? To be, I, 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 it doesn't happen to me often, but if, when I do have an opportunity to chat to, you know, really uh, traditionally religious Jewish folk, it's very, mm. very interesting to hear how they how they do these things and why they do it and so on. If all, all <laughs> I hate to use the word, but all religions have got fascinating aspects to them. Um, I'm also, I love hearing about it. And, you know, for the Jewish nation is so much part of why we're here and what we're doing that yeah. we, we should be speaking more yeah. about them. Okay, so that was a nice chat. So I'm just going to say to you and to the listeners, Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> and do God I say you. Shalom to you too? <laughs> bye. bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.